Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ready, set, hut, Welcome to Steeler Nation Live. Out of Rochester, New York. Your home for Steelers news info and other sports news. With your host, Sanders Tisdale and James Owen. And new anchor, former Super Bowl kicker, Jeff Reed. Welcome to Steeler Nation Live. I'm Sanders Tisdale. And I'm James Owen. Tonight, we have something special on Steeler Nation Live. When you think of great receivers in the NFL, of course you think of the Jerry Rices of the NFL, the Lynn Swans, or the great John Stallworths of the league. But in a league where receivers are not only getting stronger, they're getting bigger. Des Bryant of the Dallas Cowboys, he's coming in at 6'2". Huge. Martavius Bryant with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Things are a little iffy, but you know what? He's coming in at 6'4 for the Steelers. You know what? But we here at Still Nation Live, we believe that the only thing that a receiver really needs is dedication and heart. Since this is the offseason and we are going to pay homage to the smaller guys of the league, even if they're not Steelers, we have on tonight's show one of Joe Montana's favorite targets while in Kansas City, weighing in at, let's get this, 5 foot 10, 157 pounds. Maybe that's the playing days. Soaking, let's see what it is. Soaking wet. Nine seasons collectively in the NFL with the Chiefs and the Atlanta Falcons. We welcome NFL wideout J.J. Burton to the Still Nation Live set tonight. J.J., how you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing good. It's good to be online with you, Sanders and James. Yeah, excited to, to excited for the interview. Yeah, we're very very excited you're on the show, JJ. And like Sanders said be, before we um, started the show, that we've interviewed other guys, not necessarily uh, Steelers, but Javon Hay, we a great guy, Chris Lee, a great uh, workout specialist, and you know we want to get pretty much everybody that has anything to do with NFL getting there, you know, like uh, work, uh, workouts or whatever, and great players such as yourself. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's always nice to, you know, not all of us are Hall of Famers, so it's nice to be remembered, you know. Exactly, and that's what this show is about. Not just getting those Hall of Famers, but like you said, J.J., bringing in the guys who, you know, put that memory in your memory banks as, as a lot of younger guys out there or even some of you guys out there, you know, who are not that old. You remember seeing, you know, some of these great players out there, but they didn't get that that just do what they needed, and we're going to help you put it on the map tonight. And, J.J., what we want to start up the show tonight is we want to find out what was life like for J.J. growing up in northeast Portland, Oregon. Well, it was, it was kind of, uh, it was a little crazy. I was, I was, like I said, born and raised in northeast Portland, uh, single parent mom raised me, and um, you know it was kind of one of those situations where it was a tough area. You know, I saw a lot of people struggling and making some interesting decisions, and so I decided at a very very young age I was going to break the cycle. I was going to do something different. I was going to step out of the hood and go see the world, and and I kind of made up my mind that I was going to be successful. And I didn't know what that really meant, but I just knew that I was going to go out there and do something different. So. That was kind of the start, but um, you know that uh, that upbringing kind of made me hungry. Made me hungry for something something better, you know. Now, how was high school? Now, you said you had something to prove, something to do, something to you know to expand your life. Did sports was that an intricate part, or was it sports academics, or uh, what? What was your motivation in high school to, like you said, succeed? 
Well, sports really didn't start for me till 10th grade. You know, I, I think I was developing all my skills on the playground, in the streets, you know, r- racing and playing football in the street and all the things you did back in the day, you know, when you're young. And, and then just the doorway of opportunity opened up and I started dabbling in track and field and football and, and it kind of led to one thing to led one thing to another. It was not like I had a dream. Okay, I want to I want to get to college and I want to I want to get a scholarship. It was it was a progressive process. It was like as I got better and better, I realized that there was an opportunity there my senior year. Yeah, and we and we've seen that, and we noticed that the fact is that you you came out of high school, and it looks like track was track was your baby, brother. And it's the fact <laughs> is, <laughs> like we said, you actually ended up in parlaying that track track and field run into a, a college career, brother. Yeah, that that's where the heart was. I was all about track and field, and and uh, long jumper, high hurdler, and and I played football, and and I was good. I was actually the number one receiver in in um, my senior year in high school, but when you're five nine at the time and 133 pounds, even scoring 15 touchdowns my senior year, no Division One school felt I was capable of playing at the next level, and that's what really kind of sparked the curiosity of, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to prove these guys wrong. Now, how can I get into a college one football program? And and that's where I kind of use track to be able to open up that doorway as I was being recruited. Oregon was the only Division One school when I talked to the track coaches who didn't balk at the idea of me trying football at some point. And they said, hey, you run track the first year, we will do our best to get you a shot to walk on the second year. And, and that's what happened. And I had to convince Rich Brooks, the football coach, I had to twist his arm a little bit, but he finally said, okay, leave me alone, kid. You can come to camp. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this now. What, what was the feeling in yourself? I mean, you had to prepare yourself mentally for that because the fact is, like you said, this this that's what I'm talking about on this show when you, you talk about dedication and the heart. And it's a lot of younger guys that come in, in there like like yourself. They'll walk onto a field and think that, you know what, the odds are against them. And that's what kind of happened with you. And the fact is, what, what kind of message would you send out there to a younger guy who's in your spot that's trying to make that team, that's trying to... You know, they they excel in one sport, but then here they are trying to get into that next sport, and everything seems to be mounted up against them. Yeah, and when I looked at that, and you're so right too, Sanders, because when I looked at, for instance, when I got to Oregon, I remember I was on the depth chart. I was way down there. But I saw it as an opportunity to prove everybody wrong because I knew I could do it. I just believed in myself. I knew I had the ability to to all the receiver skills, catching the ball, running routes and all that. And I was tough. I didn't care how big the guy was. I was going to go hit him. <laughs> I'd come over the middle. I didn't care. But I saw it as a way to work my way up and prove everybody wrong, and I was always willing to put in the work. And I think that's really the key for someone who finds himself in a situation where it appears to not be favoring them. You go out there and do your job. You do your work. You'll get noticed, and you'll get your shot. And that's, that's kind of the mindset I took into the thing. Now, J.J., 1988, you kind of did get your shot. You were drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Now, Marty Schottenheimer was a coach, and I, and I can't really can't remember uh, any standout wide receivers. Bernie Kozar was a quarterback. Were you happy the Browns picked you, and were you even thinking about be, even being drafted? I was more like shocked I was drafted. <laughs> you know, I, I was because my senior year, I'm focusing on track. I had, you know, I qualified for the Olympic trials and the long jump. I was locked in on that, and then all of a sudden I go to 
the NFL Combine. I'm like, what's the Combine? I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I'm like, what's the Combine? You know, but but I was this mystery track guy who could run and could catch, and I got a shot to go to the Combine. And when I was there, guys, I was just like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm here with Tim Brown and Sterling Sharp and these these amazing wide receivers and I was thinking like what am I doing here I thought well let's just get through this thing and go home and I tested really well but I didn't think much of it I just focused on track and all of a sudden come draft day um, my coach my football coach made me get an agent and I was like I don't need an agent and he said you're gonna use this guy so I had this guy Frank Bauer who's actually a really good agent and he said okay I think you're gonna get drafted and I said I think you're crazy I'm not gonna get drafted <laughs> So the first day, I remember um, us arguing, and I thought, Frank, I'm not going to get drafted. I'm going to class. So I, I, I didn't even think about the draft the first day. I go to class, and then the second day, I tried to do that again, and Frank just said, you stay put. And I stayed put, and all of a sudden, about 30 minutes later, I get a call from Marty Schottenheimer. And first, guys, I thought it was a joke. I was like, who is this? You know, I thought it was my buddies. Who is this? He said, this is Marty Schottenheimer, the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. I was like, what? He goes, we just drafted. You know, I was like, no way. So I was, I was pretty shocked, and it was, um, it was very surreal. It was definitely an exciting moment, but it kind of threw me in some confusion because I'm thinking Nationals, Olympics, and now I'm drafting the NFL. What am I going to do? <laughs> now you you did have all all those things going around in your head. The fact is, you know how how was your feeling with the family as well, the family dynamics and 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 friends. I mean, like where, when you got the call, were you around a lot of people at that point? No, I wasn't. I was in my um, my uh, what was that? My apartment with my buddy and I. We were my roommate Rod Green. He was the other wide receiver, and it was you know it just I didn't really expect it, and I didn't really make a big deal out of it. I just thought, okay, right, whatever. And then all of a sudden, when it happened, news traveled super fast through the campus and through <laughs> my family, and my phone's blowing up, and I'm like, you know, so. Um, it wasn't like what you see on TV, you know, where the guy's in the room, he's got his family all around him. I had a backpack on, I had my books. I'm, I'm, let me go to class, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, like we said, when we talked in an interview, a lot of guys on the show, you know, it's funny when you hear like the different perspectives where people were, were they around the family? Some guys were just like you, you know, they're outside, you know, ah, let's go down and get some coffee or something like that. And it's just amazing to hear the different dynamics of where guys were when they got the call from the NFL. But you got that call and you, and it was in the eighth round by the Cleveland Browns. And the fact is, during your first year, you're, you're stepping out onto that field with the Cleveland Browns. And this was during the practice time. What was that feeling like in your mind? The fact is, you know what? I went from something that, you know, which wasn't really my baby, you know, because your baby was track and field. But the fact is, you're going on and you made it to the level of an NFL field, brother. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I review that, I think I, I, I'm kind of shocked because there were so many um, setbacks I had. And I don't know if you guys know this, but right after I got drafted during that senior's year in track in the middle of the season, I had to go to the rookie camp. So I thought, well, let me go to the rookie camp and see what this is all about, come back and, and finish the track season. Well, I go there, and I go through mini camp in the third practice. I tear up my ACL right. in practice. And so all of a sudden, I go from you know being crushed that I can't run track, I can't run track, 
And I'm like, okay, well, I got hurt in Cleveland. The Browns, I said, I'm thinking like this. The Browns hurt me, so they're going to get me back to 100%. And, and, <laughs> I love and that. that's kind of, and that was the mindset. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to play in the NFL. It was like, you guys are getting me healthy again, so what do I need to do? So I basically go there. I graduate. I go back and I graduate. And then I go there, and they put me on IR. And the whole year I'm on IR, and my job is to get healthy, but I'm also learning the system. I'm watching receivers like, you know, Webster Slaughter and Brian Brennan and Leggie Langhorn, and, and I'm watching them. And through the course of that year, guys, I'm like, you know what? I could play in the NFL. I just need to change my mindset a little bit and focus on that goal. And that's when everything started to change for me mentally. Wow. And that, that was huge. The fact is, you know, you had to change that whole mindset. And, you know, it had to be devastating, like you said, because track and field was your baby. And, you know, I've read some things about you. And then you had aspirations of, you know, going to the going to the Olympics, you know, to do track and field. And, and it had to be a crushing time in your mindset. And the fact is, how did you get all, that all out of the way to focus straight on football? I think it was when I had the conversation with the doctor because I had never really had an injury like that. You, you sometimes feel invincible, and when something like that happens, you know, you have a reality check. But I remember talking to the doctor because my competitive advantage is my speed. You know, I, was, I got this gift. I've always been fast and quick and all that. Right. And I asked the doctor, I said, Doc, can I get my speed back? And the doctor said, yes, you can get your speed back. And he says, matter of fact, if you train hard enough, you could come back even faster. Well, that was the wrong thing to say to me <laughs> because I, I took that like, okay, there's the goal, and that's what I'm going to do. And I'll tell you guys, I did come back faster. Before that draft, I was running like 4-4-1, 4-3-9. And after that, when I went to KC, I ran a 4-3-4. You know, I was – I was much stronger. I was much faster. And that I think that year in rehab and building that muscle really did make a difference. And so, But it was a learning curve because that first training camp I went through the next year, it didn't matter how fast I was because I quickly learned it was all about skill. It was all about technique. And I can remember practicing against Hanford Dixon, who was a superstar, you know, running or um, quarterback. And I was always really good in college at beating bump and run because I was so much faster. I'd just run around guys. <laughs> I remember going up to Hanford and trying to shake him. He grabbed me with both his hands and threw me out of bounds. <laughs> and he said, and he said, little man, that don't work here in the NFL. You got to do better than that. Wow. So, so that was a that was a wide a rude awakening for me. And I realized that okay, I need to learn how to beat bump and run because it's different at this level. So that's, I started realizing what my weaknesses were, and I started really focusing on those so that I could eventually, you know, have a career. Now, now, you, now you did that, that season with the Cleveland Browns and eventually, you know, went through that, the Dallas Cowboys as well for a season. But the fact is, all of a sudden you find yourself in Kansas City, and it became a, like a, a flourishing for you. I mean, the way that you started to blossom like a, like a young stud in KC. It was due to the work I put in, in um, really, in Cleveland, that, that training camp. And then they cut me, and then I got picked up by Dallas, and I was on the practice squad the whole year. And I just, you know, I took those practices as if it was my moment, and I would work on all my skills and, you know, perfecting my route running ability and, and beating press and break, you know, my breaks and, and just all those things. And by the time that I got to KC, I was ready. 
I mean, I was ready, 100% ready to go. And it was a careful decision because I thought, because there was a couple teams after me, and I said, you know what, I got one shot. I've been credited by the NFL for two years. I haven't played in a regular season game. I said, I got to make the right choice. And being Marty was there, I knew Casey was lacking speed. I chose to go to the Chiefs, and that was definitely the right choice. Now, let me ask you this, J.J. Now, you played uh, with the Clevelands, uh, Cleveland Browns, Dallas Cowboys, the, the Chiefs, and Atlanta. Now, you were surrounded by many, many great NFL players, except in Cleveland. Um, <laughs> what was it like having Joe Montana you know, throw you the ball, hand the ball off to you, and, and, and talk to you and say, hey, look, J.J., this is what we're going to do. I'm going to throw you the ball. I mean, can you describe the first time that Joe Montana ever threw you a ball? That was, um, that was uh, man, how do you put it? When you go from eighth grade watching one of the greatest quarterbacks play a game, and all of a sudden you fast forward years, and then you're in the huddle with him? <laughs> I was like, that's Joe Montana, you know? And, and I can remember the very first practice we had, we were – you know, because first it was like, okay, Joe's really on the team, and I'm going to be in the huddle with him. And we have our first practice, and we're indoor facility, and there's this whole new feeling in our team, this energy, because Marcus Allen is over here, Joe Montana, and we we call X Hook. Very first practice with Joe X Hook, and I'm X, and I'm like, okay, hey, I'm about to get Joe Montana's first ball. You know, I'm all excited, <laughs> like all giddy, and I get up to the line, and I run my tw- my 12 yard hook. And when I get to the top of the route, Joe hits me in the back of the head with the ball. <laughs> now, understand, this is a 12-yard hook. Every receiver can run this route in their eyes closed. This is a standard route. But I'm like, I come, I'm like, Joe, you know, what's up? And Joe goes, come here. Understand this. I've already read the defense. I know where the hole is. I expect you to get up there fast and get your head around me because I'm throwing it before you get out of your brain. <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh, this is a whole other level of a quarterback. You know, but I realized that I was playing with one of the great ones, and and little tips like that stepped up my game as a wide receiver. I would have been like, "Hey, Joe, can you do me a favor? Before you throw the ball to me, can you sign it?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a I got a good story for you on that. I okay. did do that, but not like that. But but because um, you know, when you play, you you get different jerseys signed by certain players, and I definitely got a jersey, and I had Joe sign it. But I remember after one Monday night game, we're playing Denver in Denver, and it's one of those overtime games where you're dealing with Elway, who always drives down the field and wins. And, and we lost this game in, in Arrowhead. And I remember going into the locker room, and we're all upset, and guys are throwing things around, and I'm sitting at my stool, and all of a sudden, next to my foot comes this number 19 wristband. It's Joe <laughs> Montana's wristband. And right away, I started thinking like a fan. I thought, oh, I should grab that. And I thought, (laughs) where's the other one? Well, the other one was under his seat. So I kind of creep over there, and I wait for him to turn his head. (laughs) And he turns to grab the other (laughs) wristband. And to this day at my office, I have a Joe Montana jersey signed with two wristbands next to the jersey. (laughs) See, that, that, that is phenomenal, brother. And see, that's what I'm talking about. The fact is, this guy, you put in the hard work, and you know you 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 almost like rewarded for it, and it, and it showed and it showed in the way you played out there on the field. And the fact is, you had some great games out there as well. And you know, if you go get a chance, guys, go to YouTube, 
check J.J. out on YouTube, his highlights. I mean, this guy, when I say, they, I remember one game, you played the Houston Oilers, and um, uh, I think it was Bubba McDowell. Uh, which is, is just see, if I, I believe that was him. Maybe I'm calling it incorrect, but the fact is, defense, yeah, defensive back, you know, backing up, and the fact is, you ran past this guy like he was standing still. Oh yeah, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was like 20 seconds left in the first half when they're in prevent defense, <laughs> and 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 they let me run by him. I couldn't believe it. They were back like 30 yards, and I just ran right by. I think it was Bo McDowell or Bubble. Yeah, it was a safety, and I just ran right by him. So. Um, yeah, I had some pretty cool highlights like that. Yeah, like I say, guys, you younger guys out there and, and you wonder about, you know, putting in the hard work and where will it get you. You know, as we were going to talk about a little later, the fact is the different things and the different things that hard work will get you. J.J. is going to explain that to you and the things that he's doing right now. But, J.J., also as well, the fact is you, you played, you know, four years with the Chiefs. Then you played the 95-96 season with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, how was your time in Atlanta? Now, you had Jeff George as a quarterback there as well. And you, one year you went nine and seven, which was okay. But then the next season you went three and thirteen. How was you, how was it for you handling those two seasons in Atlanta? Yeah, that was um, that was two years of my career that was just a blur. It was it was so interesting because I so badly wanted to be in the run and shoot. You know, that's when they were they had the four receivers and they were throwing the ball every single down. And I'm going into my eighth year, and I'm always been in this ball control offense with the Chiefs and. I thought, here's my shot to catch a lot of balls and maybe make the Pro Bowl. And I tell you guys, it ended up kind of being, I don't want to say one of the worst decisions, but not a good decision for me because when you go into a run-and-shoot offense, you run streak after streak after streak. It's you got 80 plays on offense, and most of them are pass plays. So I was constantly running goes, and I ended up pulling my hamstring like – you know, three times the first year, two times the second year. And this is a guy who's never, I've never pulled a hamstring, even running track. I've never pulled a hamstring. So it was a really tough year, the two years I was there. And, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I think I caught 30-something balls one year, and another year I did it again. But um, still, though, it was a privilege to be there in Atlanta. I had a great time. I met a lot of great guys. I mean, I got to play with Eric Metcalf and Craig Hayward and Jeff George and a bunch of other good players. And there was a big difference, though, between year one because we made it to the playoffs. And year two, woo, going 13 and th- or 3 and 13 is <laughs> not a good thing. Yeah. Let, 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 let's go over a couple stats here, JJ. Correct me if I'm wrong. Through, through your NFL career with the injuries and whatnot, almost 250 receptions, almost 3,500 total yards of receiving, and 17 touchdowns. What, out of all those catches in yards and touchdowns, what would be your most, say, memorable moment? Ooh, that's a tough one because there's really, there's really three. Um, but I'm probably going to give you the first one, which has to be my first touchdown because I went through so much, as you guys have learned, getting cut and getting hurt and all this. And when I finally made it to the Chiefs, I remember I got, I don't, I got cut. So I, when I went through camp and I should have made it, I got cut. 
And Marty told me to sit tight for two weeks because we're going to bring you back because they had drafted a couple of receivers. And if you know the business, they have to make the team. Even though I was out playing them, they have to make the team. So I sat for two weeks waiting, and then Marty calls the third week. They activate me, and we're playing Seattle, which is you know three hours from my hometown, Portland. My entire family is there, and I end up scoring like a 33-yard touchdown. And that was kind of like the moment where, okay, I've arrived. you know, And my career took off from there. But the thing that I love the most about that, guys, is this. When I was in high school, my uncle, um, Uncle Sonny, you know, he was my biggest fan. He believed in me way before I believed in myself. And he made me make a promise to him that he says, one day when you play in the NFL, you're going to give me your first touchdown ball. Now, understand, I'm 15 years old, and he's telling me this. And I just said, Uncle, you're crazy. He goes, no, 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 just say it. And I said, no, 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 I'm not playing in the NFL. No, just say it. Okay, whatever. You can have my first ball. Well, you know who's in the stands at the Seattle game, <laughs> and you know who's waiting for me when the locker when I come out of the locker room. And all I could do is walk over to the ball, take a knee, and say, "Here you go." <laughs> that is that's a great story. I love that, and and that shows that you know what when you're a young guy growing up and you have family supporting you and you have that background, that that how important it is, and the fact that you remember that, and you know what you rewarded them for that. You know, I love that, JJ. You, you're a heck of a human being, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate that because I tell people that sometimes you don't believe in yourself and sometimes you might have to borrow someone else's belief in you until you get your own. And that's what happened there. Well, let me ask you this, uh, JJ. Uh, During during your career, was there ever a time where you got that one hit where you almost didn't get up from and you were thinking maybe what am I doing here? (laughs) <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, I had a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, I had a few of those. I mean, it's, you know, I tried to play big, and even though I was little, I did my best. But I definitely took some shots. And I can remember one time I came over the middle, and I caught a ball right in front of Dennis Smith, who was Ooh, the safety oh for my. the Broncos, hard-hitting Dennis Smith. Yep. He grabbed me and he flipped me over his head, it flipped me over my head some kind of way, and he slammed me on my head. Oh! And for one second, guys, my the bells were ringing and everything, and I remember checking my helmet to make sure I was okay. And then I stood up and I waited for all my guys to come around. Then I started talking trash to them. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, you gotta love, gotta respect you for that too. You were smart enough, but uh, the fact that JJ. Yeah. Now, how did you know when it was time to untie the shoelaces and call it a career after nine seasons in the NFL? Well, I was always planning for life after football. I, I, like I said earlier, I didn't expect to play. I took every year as, as if it was a privilege and as if it was my last. You know, I trained like somebody was always trying to get my job and like someone was going to, you know, they were going to kick me out of the league. So every year I trained you know, with such intensity. But um, so I took every year slowly. And then by the time I got to year eight, I thought, well, you know, we play nine years. That looks pretty good. And then I said, well, what do we play 10 years? But I remember that last year I thought about, okay, I played nine years. I'm relatively healthy. I'm banged up, but I'm relatively healthy. I got a family. Uh, I got a lot of great things happening in my life. I've saved some money. I thought, you know what? 
why don't we just walk away while we still can? And, and that was really, you know, kind of the, the, the decision process. Because there were just, at that time, my family, my faith, and, and moving forward in the life after football was really important to me. And, guys, I just didn't want to be one of those guys that didn't know when to quit. You know, I just didn't know when to walk away. I wanted to walk away on my own terms. You wow. got to respect that. Yeah. There are a lot of guys in the NFL who actually, you know, get heat for doing that. You know, you go back to the Barry Sanders and uh, uh, Kelvin Johnson right now, you know, yeah. for the uh, Detroit Lions as well. The Another fact line. is, yeah, the fact <laughs> is, like, you know, these guys walk away. And, 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 you know, I'm a fan as well, and I can respect that. But the fact is, you know, we want to see the touchdowns. We love the celebrations and the jubilation. But the fact is, what about family? What what about health? What about yeah. you know the other aspects of life that the fan doesn't really get a grasp of? And that's what and that's why I respect you guys for doing that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, we all pay the price. I mean, we we have a term we call accumulative trauma, and a lot of us are feeling the after effects of playing football. You know, I've I mean. I, I'm very active, but I got back issues, and I had shoulder surgery last year. I've had three knee surgeries. I've had, a, you know, but that's the price you pay when you play that game. And and um, you know, so I thought, hey, let me just walk away while I can, because I didn't want them to have to, you know, carry me off the field one day. So um, it's a tough decision because it's something you've done for many, many years. But um, I think it's nice to be able to walk away when you want to. Yeah, and that's that's amazing. And even though. You know, you worked hard on the field. You you kept on going after after the NFL. You you didn't stop. You didn't slow down. You you got into this thing uh, X eighty eight, and we're going to ask you some questions about that if you can tell us about that. And also, you have a couple books out there. Um, let's see, when opportunity knocks and surefire ways to take advantage. Can you tell us about you know all those things? What is X eighty eight for those of uh, our, our friends and family out there who don't know what that is about and talk about your books and where we can get them, how we can get them. And absolutely. Yeah. So team X 88 is really, is really my company name. It kind of, it represents my brand. Um, and so my mission is to help people live healthier lifestyles mentally, physically, and financially. And I do that through three ways. One is I'm a, um, a now a new best-selling author. I wrote my first book last summer called When Opportunity Knocks, Eight Surefire Ways to Take Advantage. And I knew I would write a book someday just when I looked at myself as far as an NFL player at 5'10", 157 pounds, playing in a big man's game. And I just thought about all the people out there who had opportunities in life, something they wanted, a goal, a dream. And for whatever reason, they didn't go after it. Their dream was crushed, or they felt they didn't have the ability, or they just they just quit. And so I wrote this book to provide here's eight blue here's a eight steps, kind of like a blueprint. Here's the steps you follow to seize opportunities in life and take advantage of them. And it doesn't matter what it is. And I wrote it for everyone. So that's kind of my message. I become known as the opportunity trainer, and I train people on how to seize those opportunities. And so the book kind of launched my speaking platform, which I'm also a keynote speaker and speaking in front of schools or businesses or different organizations and, and various messages. But a lot of my messages have to do with how you can be a better person, how you can be a better business person, a better parent, a better student, a better athlete. And a lot of the principles I talk about in my book are always highlighted within my presentations. And so, and then I work with a company called Isogenics. Um, it's a health and wellness company. And so that's kind of like the health aspect because I'm, I'm all about living 
and promoting a healthy lifestyle. I mean, if you see me, I'm one of those guys who didn't stop working out. When the career was over, I've continued to work out, I've continued to stay fit because I know that has all kind of positive effects on your body. And, and I want to show people that it doesn't matter what age you, you are, you know, you can still live a healthy lifestyle. So, so that's what the J.J. Burden brand is all about. My website, jjburden.com, is where you can order my book or join my newsletter because I'm always out there uh, pushing co- positive content to help people uh, perform at the highest level. Now, see, J.J., that's, that's pretty much in a nutshell why we wanted you on our show. When you, when you take it back a couple of years growing up in Oregon, you know, nothing was handed to you. You know, life was not easy, was hard, and you, you did what you had to do. You, you made something of yourself. You became an NFL superstar in most people's eyes, even though you weren't a stealer. But, you know, <laughs> but you look at your achievements. And what we want to do is get guys like you on the show and, and let the NFL fan out there, because like Sanders says, we're, we're Steeler fans to the heart, but we're NFL fans too. And just, you know, congratulations to, to everything that you've done in your life. It wasn't handed to you. You earned everything that you got. Touchdowns, book signings, uh, your company, and we just want to, you know, just extend our hand out to you and just say, "Hey, congratulations!" We're, you know, it's amazing to be able to sit here and talk with somebody like, you know, like you who are in your shoes, and just say thank you and congratulate you for everything that you've done and continue to do for you and your family. I really appreciate that, and it means a lot because that's the message I try to send to people is that. If there's something out there you want that you want to achieve, it's possible. You can go make the impossible possible, but you got to go do the work. You got to make the commitment. You got to be disciplined and you got to be hungry and you can't let people take away your dreams because I had so many people tell me you're too small, you should do something else, you should quit. Don't let the dream stealers take your dreams. You just got to make sure you have a plan and go execute the plan and, and that's the message I try to convey to people of all ages that opportunities are out there, you just got to go get them because nobody's going to give it to you. <laughs> that's what we're talking about coming from the great JJ burden and um also jj you know what you know go to his website and check him out the fact that you'll find a lot of interesting information about him and especially family the fact is you know we read up a lot about you and the family and the decision for you as well a lot of people don't know but you you went from a family of five to a family of ten and and when i read this and i was amazed that the fact is that there are people out there like you that have a giving heart and you're all about family jj well, that means a lot too because you know my wife and I, and I gotta say I got an incredible wife, you know, because to make that decision you can't make it on your own to bring in, you know, five nieces and nephews when you already have you know three children of your own. But together we saw it as an opportunity to impact five more lives, and and uh, I believe we've done that. I believe they've impacted our lives too. So, um, you know, you got to do what you can to take care of your family, and that's that's kind of the mindset. So, guys, there you have it from JJ Burden. JJ, we are almost to the end of the interview, but we are to the part of the interview what we discussed earlier offline. The what we're gonna do? Yep, we call it the JJ Burden Blitz. What we're gonna do, JJ? We're gonna ask you some questions and you know get your feeling, get you know what's coming from JJ. Get you know like we said under the helmet, and that's what we're gonna do on this round, JJ. Random okay. question. Random question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, JJ. Question number one: Best advice ever given to you? Uh. Don't listen to the doubters. The people that tell you you can't do it, don't listen to them. You just stay focused and keep moving forward. Love it. Nice. JJ, one thing about yourself that most people don't know. 
Ooh, that's a good one. Um, the very first sport I ever participated in was gymnastics. I was oh. very good in gymnastics, and I could flip all over that gym. Cute. <laughs> that's cute. Uh, all right, here's a, here's, a, here's a kooky question for you. If you were a holiday, what holiday would you would it be and why? Oh, man. I don't know. I'd probably <laughs> that's a good one. I don't know. I'd probably make every day a holiday. <laughs> yeah. that, that's my man. <laughs> yeah. wow. I was thinking Fourth of July. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, JJ, if you can change one thing in your past, say a do-over, what would it be? Ooh, I've been asked that one before, and and I'm gonna surprise you with this answer. I would have never quit little league baseball. Wow. I, w- I was really good in Little League Baseball, very good. I could hit the ball all the time, and then I got enamored with track and field. So if I had to do it over again, I probably would have never quit baseball. Wow, nice. very interesting. Wow. Didn't, didn't know that one was coming, did you? <laughs> you got that one. You pulled that out of well, the carpet. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know, J.J., after gymnastics, I'm kind of like numb right now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but Lynn Swan did ballet. I was thinking of that yep, when he Lynn said Swan that. did ballet. Yep. All right, here we go. J.J., most influential person in your life? Most influential? Oh, it's got to be my mom. I mean, I've, I've, I was raised by a single parent. She dropped out of high school when she was a junior. But I tell you, she worked so hard in taking care of my brother and my sister, and she was the first example I had of hard work and never quitting. Nice. J.J., you have amazing taste in? Um... My w- women, my wife. <laughs> oh, well, you better watch that with the women. <laughs> I have a beautiful wife. She's a sweetheart. We've been married 25 years, and the first time I saw her at Oregon, I knew she was the one. Hey, let me tell you something, JJ. Lucky that Sanders is great at editing, because I'll tell you what. <laughs> I know. You might have to edit a little bit of that. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. And she's looking at me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You're done. Uh, okay, JJ, if you were a junk food, what would it be? French fries. Love French fries. Ah, I can't stop eating good, French fries. Good man. Good nice. man. All right, J.J., if Hollywood was to come and knock on your door to do a movie about J.J. Burden, what actor would play you? Woo, got to see this. That's a good one. Um, Let's see. Um, My first thought was Will Smith, but he's oh. too tall. <laughs> so it's got to be somebody shorter, like um, – Nah, that guy Kevin is too short. Oh, Kevin um, Hart. Kevin Hart. <laughs> Kevin Hart is too short. I need somebody in between. Who? I don't know who we got that's uh, in between. It's about between Will and Kevin. Tigers. No, nah, not Martin. I can't be Martin. He's not an athlete. Um, man, I don't know, guys. That's a good one. You, you said these questions are good. To, I, I guess I just might have to go with Will Smith because he was great in concussion. So. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. Now, let me ask you this now. If you were in a, if you were stuck in a foxhole, name one person you want by your side battling with bullets flying overhead and raging and a fire's raging. Who was that one person you'd want in that foxhole battling with you? Um, probably, hmm, probably my uncle Sonny. My uncle Sonny was a beast, great athlete growing up. He was just a machine, and he just, you know, I, I would definitely want him in there. Wow, that's what it's all about. You know, J.J., you have finished your round of the J.J. Burden Blitz. And again, like we said, you know, it was phenomenal having you on the show tonight. The fact is, all the information, guys out there who didn't really know a lot about J.J. Burden, like we said as well, go to his website, check him out. You know, 
There's a lot of info on this guy. And you know what? Just looking at this guy, when you go to his, his uh, website, you see this guy's a this guy's a handsome-looking dude, isn't he? <laughs> He's not a bad-looking guy there, Sanders. Yeah. Better-looking better than you. Yeah, you know. But, hey, you know what? <laughs> but the fact is, we appreciate you, brother. And this is coming from guys and, and, and you know, who love the organization of the Steelers. And the fact is, but in the offseason, brother, we give homage and respect to everyone who played in the NFL, and you are one of those diamonds in the rough that we see that came out in a long time in the NFL, brother. Well, I appreciate you guys, and I need to throw something out there. Growing up, my favorite team was the Steelers, and my favorite go. player was Lynn Swan, and that's why I wore the number 88. There so, you go. Shout out to the Steelers. <laughs> hey, we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's all about, brother. Again, J.J., phenomenal job tonight here, and thanks again from Sanders Tisdale. And James Owen. Hey, and, and J.J., you can check, out, check us out. Check out our interviews at our website at www.steelernationlive.net. We're gonna we're gonna put this up on the air. We're gonna put it on the website with Talk Shoe Radio and and get your books out there and get your 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 X eighty eight out there. And we're just here to help everybody. All right, hey guys, I appreciate it. I look forward to hearing it. Following you guys on social media and Sanders and James, keep up the good work. Oh, all right, thank you. Thanks again and take care, brother. All right, guys, take care. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.